Welcome to Living with Einstein. This is podcast number two and is dedicated to celebrating all of the cool things about having ADHD and HSP, which stands for a highly sensitive person. And I am your host with both, Jessica Fern. What you're going to find in each of these episodes is a deep dive and celebration into what makes ADHD and HSP so friggin' cool. So it's kind of my take on life, parenting, and relationships. And we will be down the road having some special guests. I'm always getting my antic on. And of course, you're in for some amazing stories. So if this is your first time joining me, welcome. I am going to start every episode with a recap of what ADHD and HSP is to me to create some context. And remember that this is perspective. I'm not a doctor. I'm just the kind of people that doctors study. These are just real life definitions and, of course, are subject to change. So um, I know that a lot of people struggle with, well, do I have ADHD? Do I have HSP? Or, ooh, that sounds a lot like me. Or an even bigger question, right, is do my kids have this? And as a parent, it's a really hard decision to make. And so today, I'm going to walk you through the self-test for both HSP and ADHD. So HSP is kind of a new term, and it means highly sensitive person. And for me, like, I don't think that I'm super sensitive. Like, I barely ever cry. There was a point in time where I didn't even know if I was capable of crying yet. Turns out that's called avoidance, where you just get rid of your feelings for so long, your body forgets that you have any. But as we've been doing work, you know, we're getting to know our feelings a little bit more. But really, it means high acting senses. And one of the commonalities commonalities between HSP and ADHD is how your brain uses dopamine. Uh, So you don't have a lot of it, which means your brain is really craving it. And so you feel things on a crazy level and you experience them on a high level. And to have both is pretty freaking awesome because you've got a perspective of the world that not a lot of people have access to, which I absolutely love. It allows me to innovate and strategically think and, you know, not take ideas off the table and just stay really hopeful and have faith and be positive because, you know, I just don't let yesterday's troubles roll into today. Well, number one, because I really struggled with permanence, so I don't even remember what happened to me this morning. I'm a great friend because I'm like impossible. It's impossible for me to hold a grudge because I just don't remember. (laughs) And we're going to talk about that in a later episode. But it also makes me a really great partner because unless I feel it, I'm really sensitive to feeling. Uh, That's usually where my memories are tied is uh, through things that I feel. And uh, I operate less in time, but more in energy too, because I'm really sensitive to energy in a really amazing way. So that means if I'm working on something that is really interesting or I'm excited about, like I can just work on it for days. And that's a pretty cool, that's a pretty cool thing to see. So high sensitivity, hyper senses, like super senses hearing, smelling, seeing, little minute details and differences, uh, big complex thoughts. And then ADHD for me, again, it's not that I can't pay attention, it's that I pay lots of attention to lots of different things. So when the two of these talents are working together, the two of these gifts, uh, 
like the world is my oyster and it's a very cool space to be in. So with that being said, um, challenges that come with ADHD can, you know, get in the way of being successful and working at school. And so that one, you know, sometimes you need extra assistance for. And like I said, it's a really hard to decide as a parent where you're going to step in. So today I'm going to walk you through what that process looks like. Uh, but first, we're going to go through the HSP self-test. And HSP, it's not like a formal diagnosis. It's kind of a new thing. But you'll know, like some empaths are considered HSPs uh, because of the level and depth in which they feel, like feelings you feel, the depth of your core. Uh, when you're listening to music, you can hear all of the tones and strings and drums and bass. So incredible to be able to think that big and creatively at the same time. So just knowing your uh, that you might have HSP, it's great information because you get to like, have these big thoughts and just roll with them, right? Like let the thought be the thought because that's where amazing creativity and innovation comes from are those big, deep thoughts and knowing that that's supposed to happen. Like this is, this is you on purpose, with purpose is leveraging these gifts. So we're going to walk through the HSP self-test and I'm going to uh, answer the questions kind of on behalf of me and the kids, and then uh, we're going to go into the ADHD self-test for me and the kids, and I'll walk you through what that process looks like. So here we go. Okay, so I'm going to take the highly sensitive person self-test, and this is from hsperson.com, and I'm going to do it for me, and then I'm going to do it for my kids as well. So I'm actually reading this book, uh, it's doc by Dr. Elaine Aaron, and let's be honest, I'm totally not reading the book. I can't read a book because I'll get like one sentence in and then start like overthinking that particular sentence and then forget what sentence I'm on and then I have to reread the whole page. So I'm trying to do the audiobook thing, and basically, because I forget that I'm doing the audiobook thing, I'm basically only listening to it on my way to and from picking up my son and dropping him off at soccer or the other way around, whatever. Okay, so the instructions here is to answer each question according to the way you personally feel. So basically that could be different hour by hour or day by day, but we're just going to go today. Check the box if it's at least somewhat true. Leave unchecked if it's not very true or not true at all for you. I like that they didn't box me in. Can I say that I appreciate that I didn't get boxed in? Okay. Anyway. Okay. Question one. I'm easily overwhelmed by strong sensory input. Well, that's true. Oh, I got to check the box. Okay. So I don't necessarily get like anxious overwhelmed unless it's been a really long day because then those senses kind of kick into overdrive for me and they're they can be really, really draining. And sensory input for me is sight, sound, smell, not so much. I love it sight and sound. Like I wear blue light glasses all day when I'm working because I have three screens because I have 18 things going on at one time and they need to be, you know, evenly distributed across three screens. Anyway. Okay. Question two. I seem to be aware of subtleties in my environment. Uh, yeah. You can't get anything past me. And I try to tell my kids that, like, I know, I've been here before. 
don't try and pull one over on me, right? Okay, other people's moods affect me. Oh yes, I am so energy sensitive. Like I can feel it and it is distracting. If somebody comes in and they're feeling some type of way, I'm like, whoa, let's back that up. Um, or if they're really sad or emotional or upset, I also get um, really excited and my energy can be really contagious too. So that kind of goes both ways. I tend to be very sensitive to pain. That one is not so true unless I have stubbed my toe when it's cold. <laughs> because that is the worst. And I feel like I do it all the time. And my kids know because I'll say, I stubbed my toe. And they'll be like, was it cold? So they know that that is cray cray. Okay. I find myself needing to withdraw during busy days into bed or a darkened room or any place where I can have some privacy and relief from stimulation. So I definitely don't need to like go hide under the covers, but silence is important when I've had a loud day. So I find that the things that are really draining or require more energy for me, it's really important that you learn how to replace that energy back. So I actually have a whole list of things that really rejuvenate me. And I find that the opposite of what the drain is, is really helpful. Okay. I'm particularly sensitive to the effects of caffeine. I think that's true, but I've just built up a really strong tolerance. I am easily overwhelmed by things like bright lights, strong smells, coarse fabrics, or sirens close by. Okay, so for me, it's not necessarily smells or fabrics, but lights and sounds for sure. Uh, my fiance actually installed a dimmer switch in my room, and it was like the most thoughtful thing ever because he'll, he'll just know sometimes when I'm you know, had a long day and he can just dim the lights a little bit to help me calm down. And then noises, noises. I'm really funny with noises because like chewing is a thing. I could hear water running, like just a drop. Like my daughter has a hard time shutting the shower off. And if she doesn't shut it off all the way, I can hear those drips of water, like from the kitchen, from the opposite side of my house. But here's the funniest thing is they only piss me off when other people are making this out. When it's me, it's no problem. But somebody else, oh my gosh. Actually, my the worst sound in the world to me is my impatient dog. And anytime he's out of food, like just in his bowl, he could have just eaten. And he will literally scooch his bowl across the floor like a jerk, just like feed me. He just don't like his bowl empty. And I just, anytime I see it, I'm like, <gasps> turn my head, scowl, and I'm like, somebody feed the dog. So everybody knows that if Gunner scooches his bowl across the floor, you just have to feed him as fast as possible so I don't lose my mind. Okay, so that one's obviously true. I have a rich, complex inner life, 100%. I'm made uncomfortable by loud noises, again, only when other people are doing them. I'm deeply moved by the arts or music, 100%. I love the arts. I don't have the patience to go like walk through an art museum, but I do consider some literature form of art. 
I love poetry. I do love paintings. Music to me is just, it's so rejuvenating. So I love like modern classical music, country, really good rap um, and hip hop too. So I kind of like everything. And music is something that will instantly just kind of fill me up. I actually listen to classical music when I'm mountain biking, which is kind of weird, but it is the most liberating thing either to be to either uh, ever to be able to hear all of the different tones while you're exercising. And if you listen to the first episode, I talked about how mountain biking really really helps me honor my ADHD and you get to use all of your senses in a very uncontrolled environment and the way that that comes together so beautifully is just oh cherry on top with the classical tunes anyway uh, my nervous system sometimes feels so frazzled that I just have to go off by myself yes that's called break time and self-care I'm conscientious 100%. I have an insane level of self-awareness, so much so where I tend to internalize sometimes. So I'm less likely to share my feelings or issues because by the time I'm ready to share, I've already figured it out. And so I can work through those things on my own. And that was actually an acquired skill uh, because in previous relationships, I didn't necessarily have a anyone to talk to or talk through those things with. And so I learned how to really be honest and aware of how I was feeling and then what I needed to do with that. I startle easily. Yes, my kids can attest to that. I actually got my son back really well the other night because he was <laughs> he went to go get a drink of water after I said goodnight to them. And I, I hid like right behind this door in his room. And here's the best part. Not only did I scare him, but I scared him when he had a glass of water in his hand. So got him all wet and he needed to change his shirt. Like how inconvenient is that? That is hilarious. Okay. I get rattled when I have a lot to do in a short amount of time. That's not necessarily true for me. I actually work really well under pressure and with a sense of urgency. So in the first episode, I was sharing how, you know, my parents a little bit didn't recognize, I don't think, that signs of ADHD for me. And my mom would be like, well, you just did your best work at the last minute. And I'm like, well, yeah, okay. So that really doesn't rattle me. When people are uncomfortable in a physical environment, I tend to know what needs to make it to, needs to, oh my gosh, what needs to be done to make it more comfortable like changing the lighting or the seating, yes. And that comes with being very in tune to energy and self-awareness. I'm annoyed when people try to get me to do too many things at once. So this is, well, it, it is true, but it isn't true because at work, it's never a problem. I actually thrive on it and always feel honored when anybody asks me to do anything because you know that means there's a level of trust. But if my kids come in and they're like, mom, I need this and mom, I need that. I'm like, OMG, calm it down. I'll get to it when I get to it. I try hard to avoid making mistakes or forgetting things. I don't mind mistakes. I actually really love them. And I'm a big advocate of failure. It's hard to me to, I forget to not forget things. Here, that's, that's the thing. I have a checklist. I actually have a work checklist. I have a goal checklist, I have a personal checklist, and then I have a things to think about later checklist because 
I sometimes like, well, with hyperfocus, if you get something on your mind, it's hard to get it off of your mind or out of your mind. So I've made it a habit to write it down and handle it later. And that helps me keep really focused at work. So that's a really good thing. I make it a point to avoid violent movies and TV shows. Yeah, that's too evil for me. And I feel all of the things. So I like suspense, but horror, violence, like I really feel it. Like I used to be a huge Law & Order SVU fan. I mean, who doesn't like a little Benson and Stabler? But when they have a, any episode that has to do with children, oh my gosh, it's like days. It's like, it's on my mind forever. I will never forget, and this is before I knew that I was a highly sensitive person. When my ex-husband and I started dating, he really likes horror movies. And I was like, okay, I'll suck it up and watch a horror movie. And we go to the movie store. Remember movie stores? Little blockbuster action. Uh, we went to the movie store and picked out this DVD. And it was like, banned in 13 countries and he's like sweet and I remember like to this day what that movie was about and that I couldn't sleep for like a month it was horrible so I try not to do that my daughter is very similar I become unpleasantly aroused when a lot is going on around me again this one really just depends um because if it's normal stuff like a party, the grocery store, just my regular day, none of that's really overwhelming. But at the end of the day, when I'm a little bit drained and maybe something unpleasant is going on, um, like if my kids start playing with the dog, my dog, his, he just, oh, he's a special kind of, of dog. He's a Weimariner and I love him. He just is loud. He's just loud for me. And his nails make this click, click, click sound down my hardwood floors. And if the kids get him worked up, like I will instantly lose my shit. <laughs> I just can't handle it. So that kind of stuff. Yes, for sure. Being very hungry creates a strong reaction to me, disrupting my concentration or mood. Um, I don't really get hungry very often, but I do notice that um, I'm always a little bit more edge if, uh, or more on edge if I forget to eat or I get really cold. Changes in my life shake me, shake me up. That's not really true for me. I actually really love and embrace change. And it's one of the things that I love about my job and why it makes it so perfect for me is that it's never the same day by day. Like I really just thrive in that environment. I notice and enjoy delicate or fine sense, tastes, sounds, works of art. Yep. We already went over that one. I find it unpleasant to have a lot going on at once. Uh, again, that really just depends because I love that and thrive there at work. Um, but if I'm like trying to fit in a couple more things during a day that's already tapped, it might, it might drain me a little bit more. And I don't really work in time. So for me, when I'm looking at a project or looking at something that I'm going to take on, it's not, oh, I don't have time for that. For me, it's do I have enough energy? So I'm really sensitive to what drains my energy. And like the other morning, my daughter was having such a hard time because she couldn't find Lord knows what. And she was arguing and didn't want to listen. And now she's self-inflicting her own distress but won't listen to nobody. And I was drained in five minutes. And sometimes that takes an entire day to get that drained. So for me, because I know that, um, 
on the outside of having big moments like that drain me, I knew that I just needed to be quiet and listen to some music for a little bit to, you know, to fill me back up. So that's a really good balance that I found. I make it a high priority to arrange my life to avoid upsetting or overwhelming situations. That is not necessarily true. However, I am very strategic with how I accomplish tasks. So I will make sure that I get all of my high priority stuff done in the morning because that's when I'm the most personally productive. We all have zones that are high productivity zones. Afternoons for me, I get a little bit more burnt out. So in the morning from like seven to nine, I do um, email and follow up or I'm writing or working on projects. And then um, at four o'clock on I don't schedule any calls throughout my day, so I can just take a couple quiet moments, uh, respond to email, and do follow-up again. So I'm very aware of when I'm the most productive, and I do build in boundaries to maintain that productivity. I'm bothered by intense stimuli like loud noises and chaotic scenes. Yeah, noises for me, that's a big one when I'm overwhelmed. And I use that word overwhelmed kind of loosely. It's um, that could be anything from overly excited to drained to emotional. So folks who have high uh, senses, we feel everything at our core, like at our core. It is the end of the world. It is this big of a deal. It gets you to your heart. And one of the things that they say about high highly sensitive person's brains is uh, a big difference between a normal person's brain is their reaction to dopamine. And folks who have ADD and ADHD, their brains don't have access to the same type of dopamine that a normal person's would. So I have a double deficit of not only dopamine, but the way that I access it too. So that's really important to remember because there are ways that you can get dopamine that are totally natural, things like competition and winning and exercise and um, different ways that you can access those pleasure sensors. And not like that, you guys. I know, I know there was somebody who was like, that's what she said, but no, not like, although, I mean, could work. But there are different ways that you can replenish dopamine and have access to it. Uh, that's really important with kids, too, because... Dopamine is also what regulates the reward sensors. And so disciplining kids who have ADHD is totally different than a normal kid because um, we are just predispositioned to not really care about consequences that way. So my kids are very sensitive to like not wanting to disappoint and they want to do a good job. And that could be some of, you know, their rejection sensitivity, which we'll be talking about on the next episode when that kicks in. So you just have to be a little bit more careful about it. Okay. When I must complete or be observed while performing a task, I become so nervous or shaky that I do much worse than I would otherwise. I think that's everybody. But I don't know if that's me. Like I've been um, speaking all over the place for a really long time. And the biggest one I did was actually one for my industry and multifamily uh, at the National Apartment Association. A couple years ago, I did a segment called Living Room Learning, and it was in front of, gosh, 2,500, 3,000 people. And it was really cool because all of those people, I could feel all of them. And hear or not hear but feel what they needed to hear and that's that's pretty typical I don't ever overthink my speeches because I kind of just let 
I let the audience tell me what they need to hear. And I know that's kind of a weird thing to say, but if you are also an HSP, you're like, yes, I know that intuition. I am that intuition. Okay, last question. How ADHD was this HSP test? It took about 18 minutes and 21 seconds to finish. Uh, when I was a child, my parents or teachers seemed to see me as shy or sensitive. So this one's kind of true. I remember crying a lot when I was younger, and I was very obsessed with whether or not something was fair. So I was sensitive to that, but I did grow out of that. And they say they, uh, you know, doctors, medical professionals, people who assign names to things but don't actually have it, they say that uh, folks who who have HSP, it's usually an inherited trait, but you can acquire it depending on how you grew up. And sometimes you are born with it, but you grow out of it too, or it gets, it gets diminished a little bit. Okay. So click here to see your total. My total is 26. So if you answer more than 14 of the questions as true of yourself, you are probably highly sensitive. But no psychological test is so accurate that an individual should base his or her life on it. So lots, lots to learn here. And I, I am really enjoying this audiobook. And with kids, I mean, most of those questions were true themselves with a couple differences. So my daughter, very sensitive to um fabrics so and that was from a very young age you couldn't have a tag on it no strings in her socks her pants have to fit a specific way she wears the same clothes over and over again like I have to like hide them when she's in the shower just so I can wash them and that's just her that's just her and I just let her do her thing you know it won't be like that forever um and she's very sensitive to smell and then my son he is very sensitive to sounds, so he loves music. And my brother, who has ADHD, he is a phenomenal music producer. He used to do a lot of work with EDM music, and I know he still dabbles in that. And um, to be able to hear those tones and put them together is pretty cool. Jackson's able to see very fine differences, and so that makes him really good at uh, computers, and he likes to play Minecraft, and I mean, he can just see so many things at the same time. So those are pretty unique qualities. Another one that I found very interesting is if you are a high sensitive person, you can see the differences in very minute details. So when I am reviewing a, a training design or a flyer or looking at a policy at work, like I can spot out the tiniest hairline differences and it irritates me if it's not straight or center, like my poor team have to deal with me or uh, if a picture is not hung straight, like it just stares me in the face. Like it just calls out to me and I can't stand it. I have to just fix it. So those tiny little details, like what a gift to be able to see that detailed at that level all at the same time. Um, also being able to answer and think about really deep questions and thoughts. I mean, some of the things that my kids and I just sit around and talk about like life or the sky or whatever, there's actually a name for people that 
find meaning in absolutely nothing. And of course, I can't remember what the name of those people are right at the minute, uh, right at this minute. But that's me. Like I can take my floor and just make it seem like the most inspiring thing in the world. And what a gift that is, because it's really been able to help me relate to so many different people. Um, my kids are learning to do the same thing. And so when you foster those things and you learn those things, don't resist it. You know, if you start to think about these really big thoughts, like just let your brain go. I actually sleep with a notebook next to my bed because if I get a thought, I'll just run with it and I won't be able to sleep until I finish it out. Some of my best topics and theories for some of the speeches that I've done have come from being on an airplane because you're just in the zone up there. There's no one distracting you. I got my headphones on. Usually I'm working. I always get so much done on an airplane, but my best thoughts uh, have come from that. So one of the ones that uh, was my favorite was actually an example of failure. And I was thinking about how uh, in exercise, when you lift weights, your muscles have to reach the point of failure in order to become stronger. And it's actually a process called hypertrophy. And hypertrophy is when your cell's existing cellular structure has to break itself down under repeated stress and then rebuild itself based on existing cellular structure in place. So essentially, when you put your muscles under load, and you stress them enough, they have to break themselves down and build themselves back up. So you literally cannot get stronger unless you fail, unless you tear yourself down and then build yourself back up. And what a gift to be able to see the world that way. And I feel very lucky that I get to think in a way where I just don't take anything off of the table. I love being able to, you know what? I don't know that it doesn't exist. I don't know that this isn't wrong. And it really helps you stay curious. And that's a good thing to remember, even if you don't have HSP, to stay curious and learn everything that you can. If you are incompetent, you are a distraction. And we're never done learning. I think that when we are done learning, we're done with life. You know, I want to be a student of life and I continue to learn more every single day. So, I'm really excited to hear feedback on your test results as an HSP, and I really encourage you to do some research here because there's not a lot around it, but you'll know um, empaths are very similar to an HSP. So if you are empathic, then you know exactly what I'm talking about too. And I'm really interested in hearing how some of these other characteristics really surface and so we can talk about it more. So. My answers are about the same as my kids, and um, I will be doing also next up the self-test for adults and for kids for ADHD. So uh, we'll get that started in just a sec. All right, so all right, so here we go with the ADHD self-test, and I'm doing this from attitudemag.com. Love this website, by the way. They have so many great resources and webinars and trainings and downloads that you can have access to. So uh, I'll, I'll do, I'm going to do this one, and then we can take a look at some of the questions that are on the kids' ADHD test that, or I guess evaluation that I sent to their teachers. So 
Question one, how often do you have difficulty concentrating on what people say to you, even when they are speaking to you directly? Very often. So it goes very often, often, sometimes, rarely, never, literally all the time. Half the time, if you're talking to me, I'm trying really hard not to think about what I have to do later. I'm like, did I switch the laundry? Did I feed? Did it feed the dog? Is this bowl scooching across the floor? So yeah, I have to, I really have to concentrate and be present. How often do you leave your seat in meetings or other situations in which you are respected to remain seated? Often, I can do a pretty good job about staying engaged in a meeting, but so I have a motorized standing desk in my home office, and it's going up and down all day because it's hard to sit in one spot. How often do you have difficulty unwinding and relaxing when you have time to yourself all the time? I don't know what to do with downtime. And I remember when I first sought um, professional professional help for my ADHD, my psychiatrist asked me, she was like, what, what's the three things that you would like to get out of this? And I said, number one, I would like to have more control over my feelings. The second, because I would get flooded with emotion and just kind of go to town. I wouldn't get angry or crazy, but they definitely were overwhelming, like full body feelings. And now I know why. Hello, HSP. The second was I wanted to be okay in quiet moments because I find that when I do have downtime, I just kind of wander around the house. I rarely sit down. Like even on the weekend, I am not chilling like a villain. I am up doing, moving around, all of that. So that's something that I very much struggle with. And the last is I wanted to be able to really think about what I was doing or saying before it happened. And I'm so happy to say that I, I really feel like I've accomplished all three of those goals and I should probably set some new ones. Okay. How often do you put things off until the last minute? So this one's kind of hard to answer because I am really good at work about balancing my time and I just don't let myself get off track because I have so much going on. Um, but I mean, I do my best work at my last minute, like my mama says. So yeah, there have definitely been times that I put things off until the last minute, especially if they are things that take a lot of energy. So for me, like I said, I'm very energy sensitive. So I really struggled with transitions when um, when I was first like really taking it seriously. Like I would spend a couple extra minutes in the shower just because the thought of what I had to do after I got out was too much. You have to dry your hair and then get dressed and then go back into the real world and all of that. And that might sound really simple and really easy, but when you are so sensitive to energy changes and you give all of yourself in every single moment, there were definitely times where I was, you know, more drained or it was towards the end of the week where that's just, it was just a lot. And so sometimes in those situations, yeah, things probably got delayed more than they should have. How often do you depend on others to keep your life in order and attend to the details? So, I mean, again, this one's a little bit hard to answer because I just don't give myself any room to not perform that way. So I went, you know, from about 21 to 32, I believe, 
on like with without any assistance. And so I'm a checklist person. I write it down. I'm a note taker. I just have gotten in a habit of building in really good executive function skills that I just don't let myself waver on. So those are like little self agreements that I have to be successful. Oh, well, that was it. OK, well, that was easy. Submit. Now I got to email it. OK, well, we all know I have it. So let's get to the kids as one. OK. So this is the Vanderbilt ADHD Diagnostic Teacher Rating Scale. And so this is the one that Jackson got. Charlotte's was a little bit different, but essentially the same questions. Although one of the questions on her test or her evaluation was, how often is your child perfect? And I said, friggin' always. <laughs> because she is so perfect in my eyes. Like, I love everything about her and her independence and confidence and goofiness. And, like, I just love how we just celebrate our individuality here. So that one I was like, friggin' always. Like, three plus plus very often. Okay, so the kids one, I'll run through this really quickly. Fails to give attention to detail or makes careless mistakes in schoolwork. Zero is never, one is occasional, two often, three very often. So that's a three. Has difficulty sustaining attention to tasks or activities, very often. Doesn't seem to listen when spoken to directly, often. Does not follow through on instruction and fails to finish schoolwork. Yeah, he was failing his first couple semesters. It, or his first semester in middle school. So that's been really, really hard. And I'm really happy to say that since we started medication with Jackson, he, like, not only is his confidence better, but his math teacher used a, a, an example math problem of his um, as an example to the whole class. And that's a class that he was struggling the most in. And then Charlotte, who just started medication, uh, very low doses on both of them, uh, her teacher gave me some really wonderful feedback that she could tell that Charlotte was definitely more engaged and her writing had been better. And both of my kids, well, Jackson, he, he pulled me aside yesterday. and He was just like, thank you so much for getting me the help that I needed. And you guys, I can't even like as a mom to know you made the right decision there. Like that's it's it's a hard it's a hard decision to make. And. Uh, like that is the point of all of this. And I can't wait to have Jackson on because I think that's going to be really impactful for you to hear it from him, like from that, ch that child's perspective, because a doctor's opinion is just that it's an opinion. Only they know. And Jackson approached me and asked for help. And I mean, again, as a parent, that's a very hard decision to make. And just with both of them seeing immediate differences, knowing it was the right choice, like I'm on I'm on cloud nine. So anyway, has difficulty organizing tasks and activities. So three for both of them. And Charlotte is the queen of I can't find my book. And she's also a horrible looker. So she has a real problem with object permanence. So if it's not in front of her, it doesn't exist. And when she looks like she'll walk in a room and be like, I can't find my bed just because she it's not in eyesight. So that's definitely a three. Avoids, dislikes, or is reluctant to engage in tasks that require sustaining mental effort. Uh, that one's situational. Jackson can play video games all day long because it's something that he likes. And with kids, 
it's difficult because with those things that they like, it takes over their world. Like Jackson and I really struggled in December because he was being really sneaky. All he wanted to do was play video games. He was lying about completing his schoolwork to play video games. And I just could not understand how a kid who was so honest would throw their trust out the window for video games. They weren't even great video games either. He was playing like Rocket League, which I'm a fan of Rocket League. It is uh, it's soccer in cars. <laughs> and Jackson's a big soccer player. He's been playing since he was two and a half and he plays premier soccer. So uh, huge into soccer. I actually like playing Rocket League. But I mean, is that worth your trust in your freedom? You guys, I had to take Jackson's door off of his room. It was that bad. I could not trust him. But it's that dopamine. That's what it, that's what did it for him. And he was obsessed. Another quick fix for dopamine is sugar. And so Jackson used to hide food in his room. Like he would eat fruit snacks. He ate an entire advent calendar in one night. A whole advent calendar. And then lied about it. <laughs> I mean, we've all had those moments. We've all had moments where we want to eat the whole advent calendar. But damn. <laughs> And then you want to cop to it. And it's not because he was being like really sneaky or malicious, but that it just takes over. So that one for sure. Um, I mean, in the activities that require mental effort that he's not a fan of 100%. Same thing with um, same thing with Charlotte. Okay. Lose the things necessary for tasks or activities. Three. Very often. Uh, especially Charlotte, like she walked around the house for like five minutes the other day because she couldn't find her Japan book and it was like right on the couch. And then she had a meltdown because she couldn't find her glasses that aren't even real glasses. They're glasses that she likes to wear that she just popped the lenses out of. She could have sworn she left them on the table. And knowing that she struggles with permanence, I was like, well, maybe that's the last place you remember putting them, but they could have ended up somewhere else. No, I mean, zero to 10 in 2.5. And she ended up finding them in a room. So yeah, for sure. Jackson loses things less often. He's a little bit more organized. Easily distracted by ex extraneous stimuli. Yup. Is forgetful in daily activities. Absolutely. I'll ask Charlotte to go pick up uh, her dishes and put them in the dishwasher. And she gets like one in the dishwasher, and then she's like outside doing gymnastics. <laughs> Jackson today asked him if he would uh, bring the garbage can in, and he was in organizing his room. One morning, I this was like a couple months ago, one morning I went to wake Jackson up for school, and his room was on the opposite side. Like in the middle of the night, he had re rearranged his entire room. I didn't even hear him. Didn't even hear him. And I think because Charlotte watched me think it was so funny. She did the same thing the next night. Hilarious. Every day is a new adventure. Fidgets with hands or feet or squirms. Yep, all the way. Leave seat in classroom or in other situations in which remaining seated is expected. Totally. Has difficulty playing or engaging in leisure activities quietly. We don't do quiet in my house. Uh, and in fact, Jackson has been the kid who's at the back of the room gosh, or the back of the, yeah, back of the school room every single year since he was in kindergarten. And I know I shared a little bit about that on episode one, but it just, 
I just so don't agree with that because our kids are being taught that different is difficult and it's just not true. Different, it's not difficult, it's special and it should be celebrated. And kids should be allowed to do the things that they need to do to be comfortable because we all learn differently. ADHD, HSP, whatever challenges or advantages that you have, it shouldn't be difficult, right? We should be celebrating. And this is a call to action to assist those in learning on their terms. Is on the go or acts as if driven by a motor? Yep. Talk successively, totally. No one can finish a sentence without somebody else interrupting. So that's something that we have to really slow down and talk about all the time. Like, oh, hold on, so-and-so was talking. I even do that. I really try hard not to. Blurts out answers before questions have been completed 100%. Because obviously we already know. And we've already thought about the answer 18 different ways before you've even finished the question. Has difficulty waiting in line? Lines suck. <laughs> Nobody likes lines. <laughs> I hate lines less than I hate self-checkout, though, at the grocery store. So I will at least do that. But nobody likes waiting. Oh, my gosh. That's like traffic for me is the worst. I would, I'll drive the long way, a half an hour out of the way just so not to have to wait. Interrupts or intrudes on others that we just talked about. Loses temper. That is Charlotte. Good Lord. Defies rules or argues with adults. That is also Charlotte. Angry or resentful? Not really. Spiteful? No. Bullies, threatens, intimidates? No. Physical fights? Neither of my kids are violent. Lies to obtain goods or favors to avoid obligations? Oh, yeah. My little con artist, Jackson. Charlotte, not really, though. Uh, but I do think that Jackson has like that hard H and the ADHD and Charlotte just has ADD. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but I'm going to go with it. Is physically cruel? No. Has stolen items of non-trivial value? I mean, Jackson did steal the advent calendar, so I think that that counts. <laughs> but it's not a habit. Um, is fearful, anxious, or worried? Yeah, sometimes. Both of them get really fixated on what's supposed to happen. So if we're going to go to the store... What time are we going to the store? How long are we going to be at the store? What aisles are going to get? Are we going down? Charlotte likes to know how many things exactly do we need? And then she will hold me to that. How many items do we have left to get, mom? And I'll say a hundred. So that way she's just, you know, I like to over or under promise and over deliver. That's what I like to do. Feels worthless or inferior. Both the kids kind of struggle with rejection, but it's not... It's not debilitating because we grow up, I grew up, my family, we just make fun of each other. So we all have thick skin. So my kids naturally grew up in the same environment. They've got thick skin too. Is self-conscious or easily embarrassed? Not really. I mean, I think that they both get self-conscious. That's pretty normal for their age. Afraid of trying new things or fear of making mistakes. Both of them try and there's no such thing as failure in my house. And so here I think that they're really comfortable. Um, but Jackson gets really hard on himself if he lets people down. So I think that that might hold him back a little bit from trying on, on certain things. Jackson also is very, he's a very gifted athlete. And so when things don't come naturally to him, he's got a hard time with that because he doesn't like the struggle. Feels lonely, unwanted, or unloved, complains that no one loves him or her. Um, only my daughter when she doesn't get her way. You never love me. 
Like, no, I hate you so much. That is why you're emptying the dishwasher. Oh, yeah. Only kids I hate have to empty the dishwasher. <laughs> kids I hate the most have to clean their rooms. <laughs> I love the things that they say. Um, it got it, it got so bad in, like, November, December with both of them. They were just, like, out of control, like, being very disrespectful. They weren't helping, so I went on mom strike. And so I would find them if they didn't pick up after themselves or were rude or disrespectful. And I told them that certain things like finishing your homework and helping out and going out of your way to help another, like that earns you fake money. And they had to pay quote unquote rent by the first of the month. And if they didn't, that I had made arrangements for them elsewhere. And Obviously, I didn't, but they, like, that was hard for them. They did not want to feel like they had to leave, and so we had to restructure that a little bit, but Mom Strike was great. They still remembered that. That was impactful. Oh, and my whole point with that story, uh, ADHD, was <laughs> Charlotte had written me a note. It was kind of a hate note. It was kind of like, I thought you loved me more than this, that then you would, then you would do that, and um, that was kind of when I was like, all right, I should probably switch gears a little bit, but whatever. And the last one, okay, is sad, unhappy, or depressed? Not really. I mean, both of them can get kind of down, especially when they've been overwhelmed, but um, they don't really struggle with like that sadness or violence piece. And then the, the teachers are asked to rate their academic performance from problematic average to above average in reading they both got problematic math and written expression, same thing. And then behavior performance, relationship with peers, they did um, average, following directions, problematic, disrupting class, problematic, assignment completion, problematic, and organizational skills. Um, I think they got uh, average on the lower average end. So Charlotte's going into spring break with eight missing assignments, and we will be finishing those and getting her back on track. Uh, and these are just things that we will work through and stay up on. So it definitely solidifies that I made the right choice, but I know that that's such a hard thing to do. And so I wanted to go through kind of this testing process. And what I did with both of the kids is I called their primary doctor because their doctor's office does it. And uh, they both needed like their annual physicals, like kind of well child checkup. And then um, I sent the I sent the self-test to their teachers, to both of their teachers. And Jackson, I got three of his teachers to fill them out. And it's hard right now because of virtual learning. And I'm kind of at an advantage because I've got it. So I know better. And I know the signs. And I know my kids very well. And um, Charlotte only got one response for her. So um, you know, we went in. And with Jackson, we talked to his doctor. And his doctor asked him questions like, you know, how do you feel about school and what are the problems that you have? And I told Jackson just how important it was to be honest, you know, about his his strengths and where he felt like he needed assistance and, you know, the wonderful parts about him. And he just feels so even and wonderful this week. Uh, I'm excited that the medication that he's taking is working. Sometimes it takes some tries to get the right one. And so with Charlotte, because we only got one evaluation back, 
her doctor wants to see her on a weekly basis, uh, but I already noticed with her medication, she's doing so well. And to hear from her teacher how much she's improved just on her writing and how presently engaged she's been, this has been awesome. So for us, it was a pretty easy process. So we, uh, you know, made the appointment with their doctor as we did the annual and then we did an evaluation. Uh, in between those two appointments is when we got the paperwork filled out. It only took a couple days with Jackson. The school nurse faxes them to the doctor's office and then they review. And then with Charlotte, um, they gave me like these envelopes and stuff to mail. And literally, I just Googled the same paperwork and attached it in an email and sent it because I'm a freak like that. And I got it back faster. But all of their teachers were like, you know, this is really hard to fill out in a virtual environment, so we'll do our best. But we got a lot of blanks back. You know, the teachers really did their best not to answer questions that they truly couldn't. Um, but I reached out to not only their academic teachers, but their health teachers, Jackson's sixth grade teachers, so the teacher he had last year, just so I could get a really good picture of the behavior for the doctor, even though we've got a good relationship and I think spending time with both of them, you can kind of tell. But sometimes, sometimes you're on the spectrum and it's better to let it ride. You know, with Jackson, I let it ride for a long time because he was doing fine as he was. And then there's just a point in time where it interferes with your quality of life. And it's just best to get some help. And he was at that point. Charlotte, same thing. Like I watch her struggle to manage her emotions and she wants to do a good job in school and she just is struggling and girls it's hard because usually they are doing well in school and it's the emotional stuff that really is kind of being more of a red flag than the academic stuff so you have to watch for different things than both but at the end of the day only you know your kids you're the only one that knows your kids and you know what's best for them Getting a diagnosis doesn't mean that you are on have to be on medication. Not getting a diagnosis doesn't mean that your son or daughter or even yourself doesn't need help. You know, there are all things we can do. I let it ride for a really long time instead of, until it really started to interfere with my quality of life. So that was kind of my barometer for when do I go and get assistance. So my process was pretty easy. I mean, I just called my primary who gave me a recommendation to a psychiatrist and I went through a very similar evaluation process. And then uh, I've been through lots of different medications and doses and it takes a little bit to get used to something that works for you. Rule of thumb is to go on the lowest dose possible to like sustain your quality of life. But what happens is you, it's like you get full access to your brain and that can be really overwhelming to know what to do with it. So I'm really glad that I was in a position going through my own journey for long enough to be able to be there for my kids and know, you know, what they need and things to help them if they get overwhelmed. So I hope this was helpful seeing the insides, uh, the inside scoop of the self-diagnostic tests for both HSP and ADHD. And I'm really excited to continue the conversation and encourage you to really look for what your barometer is and have honest conversations with yourself and with your kids about how you can help, what to do. I mean, I can tell you that medication doesn't fix things on its own. 
Um, I eat a specific way. So my, mine and both my kids' nutrition is as you know great as it possibly can be. We've definitely had to make some switches there. We talk very openly and honest. So we've got uh, the emotional support too. I'm checking in with them constantly. I'm making sure that their teachers are involved. I mean, it is a village deal. So medication is, is you know, only gives you the tools to level the playing field, but there's still a lot of work that needs to get done and really recognizing some of the offshoots of ADHD, like rejection sensitivity and um, emotional disconnection. That's another thing that I struggle with is like not necessarily being in, in tune with my emotion. Medication doesn't solve impulsivity or bad habits like interrupting and so, or memory is another one. So playing memory games and, you know, even with yourself too, making sure that you're building in those healthy habits. We actually tried all of those first. And then again, when it starts to interfere with your quality of life, and it's for us anyway, it was time to to get assistance. So looking forward to continuing this conversation. And thank you so much for tuning in. And everybody who has so far and has provided feedback, I so, so, so appreciate it. I just really want to advocate for, again, that um, difference not difficult and that we should be encouraging others to learn on their terms. Because if we teach in a way that others don't learn, then we might as well not teach at all. And since my podcast is called Living with Einstein, uh, there are so many different Einstein quotes that I just absolutely love. But one of my one of my most favorite that really applies here is if you judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree, it will believe it will spend its whole life believing that it's stupid. And that is what we're dealing with here. We cannot hold people accountable for things that are not in their script. And I have special things in my script. You have special things in your script. And I encourage you to be open about those and advocate for them and ask for what you need, you know, because on the flip side, nobody's a mind reader and nobody owes you anything, right? You definitely have to advocate for yourself. So don't be afraid of your own script and embrace that because again, the world needs you and don't be a fish that is judged to climb a tree, right? Reframe that tree as water for crying out loud. All right. So thank you so much. If you want to reach out to me, I'm on all sorts of social media. Uh, you can look me up, Jessica Fern. I'm on uh, LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram and all the things. Uh, also, my contact information is attached to the podcast. And I look forward to talking next time. Until then, see ya.